Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Out of the Blue, the podcast equivalent of mild cirrhosis of the liver. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of mazeandbrew.com, my hetero life mate. Andy, you Renaissance-era painting of a human being. What's new in your world? Oh, I can never top your intros. They're the best. Um, life is good, my friend. Life is good. It is May, and we're going to find a way to talk Michigan football, so I'm always smiling. We find a way. Even in the darkest of times, in the depths of May, we will find a way to talk Michigan football. Today's no different. Uh, Kind of an update. What's been going on? Avengers still killing it at the box office. No longer number one. The NBA Finals are going on. NHL Stanley Cup's going on. Uh, Seems to be a lot of the same teams, especially in the NBA, not the NHL necessarily. NBA, NFL, college football. Does the dominance of the Warriors, Patriots, Alabama, Clemson, is that kind of making you watch less sports as time goes on, or does that kind of make it better for you? Uh, I mean, everybody likes variety. I mean, you don't want the same thing over and over again. doesn't want to feel predictable. But um, NBA dynasties are kind of a thing. Like, it happens. There's always eras you can go back through. Um, so this one's not too bad, especially when it feels like it's ending. And there's no Kevin Durant, so the Warriors are fun. Um mm-hmm. College football, I definitely want a little more variety because eras like this don't happen that often unless it's the 50s. And as far as the NHL is concerned, it's great. It's perfect. I mean, not perfect because Gary Bettman doesn't care about head injuries. But, you know, besides the point, no. Uh, 
a little parody would be nice, but you know, you can't, I mean, it's hard to beat greatness sometimes. Maybe Kawhi Leonard can, though. I agree. Uh, and I totally agree that the NHL of all of them has the most parody and is probably the most enjoyable in that sense. But yeah, and I also agree with the Golden State thing. I don't really think about that. I don't think people think about NBA dynasties that way, but that's just kind of how it is in the NBA. Uh, with the NFL, yeah, I think we're all kind of ready for the Patriots run to be over just to start mixing it up, at least in the AFC. And uh, college football is by far the one that I want to see some more variety. But I don't know how you really do it when you got bag men like Saban and, and Dabo on the trail. So, you know, we just got to find a way to come up on it. Yeah, there's something special. I feel like they're a step ahead. They have everybody's cards. They know what they're going to do. But um, no, I feel like tides are slowly shifting with Texas, Georgia's rising. Ohio State's been lingering right around there. Hopefully Michigan's on the rise as well. God knows you can't depend on the Pac-12. No, certainly not. I put no faith in the Pac-12, but uh, that's a perfect segue into our uh, our next talk. We're talking 2020 recruiting and the future of Michigan. Braden McGregor, the most recent commit, arguably the biggest commit or uh, biggest prospect on our board, stays home. Uh, he's committed to the Wolverines. This dude is a big, big get. If you haven't seen the reaction video, just seeing the emotion on Harbaugh, Sean Newa. Sean Newa grabbed a bat. Like, I don't even know what he was trying to do in that reaction video, but it had me hype. Yeah, I mean, I always look for bats to grab. There's never sure. one around, so sure. good on him. Yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of horror movies where there's just bats hanging out on the wall and, like, axes and swords. I have no blunt objects or weapons hanging out on my wall, so obviously I think I need to change that. Yeah, I feel like I just need the two swords crossed like a knight's helmet on there for whatever reason, you know? Maybe just some, you know, sign of, like, virility, masculinity, but, you know, I just need it. Completely impractical, but I support it, but... uh that being said, the the Braden McGregor commitment is a big one, and that's starting to round out Michigan's class. Uh, this was a guy that they're extremely high on. We've been producing high-caliber defensive ends, defensive tackles of late. Uh, this kid could just be the next great one. Um, I mean, he's big already. Uh, this dude is six six already. I mean, as a he's in high school right now, and yeah, it's at six five, six six, depending on where you look at. Uh, I mean, he can come in and contribute right away. Very fast, very quick, violent hands. Like, obviously, as any 17-year-old kid, he has a long way to go as far as, like, learning technique, and his hands do need to get more violent. But watching tape on this kid, this dude is a mountain. Yeah, he is just a super, super athlete. Um, Almost a five-star he probably will be by the time next year is all said and done, uh, according to 24-7 Sports. But now, this was a big one. Sean Newell and company reacted the way they did because of the impact this kid's going to have the next level. He's going to be a stud, and he can see the field kind of like Aiden Hutchinson did his freshman year there. He seems high energy, high motor, like you said, physical, violent hands. Um, he's going to be all over our radar this coming fall to see how he progresses into his senior season. But this is a big get for the 2020 class. They needed this. Yeah, they really did. In a class that was kind of underwhelming up to this point, we were ranked 17th before the McGregor commit, up to 14th in the 247 rankings, uh, still behind the Penn States and Ohio States of the world, and Ohio State is killing it this cycle. Don't, don't look now. Um, but we didn't necessarily need to have a huge cycle. Uh, if you watch how Jim Harbaugh's been recruiting, there's been the big gets, the classes with the Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black and Nico Collins all in the same class. Like, that was a big class. I think we took, like, 20 or 21 kids. This is probably going to be a 12- to 14-person class um, and some good kids in the fold already. And Braden McGregor, the highest rated of them and probably your most likely candidate for early impact. 
Uh, sky's the limit with this kid. And just imagine, if you will, for a moment, a defensive line made up of Aiden Hutchinson, Julius Welshoff, and Braden McGregor. I'm all I'm just a fan of everything. And if he doesn't do the Conor McGregor Billy strut after a sack, it's just a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Together, that's like 28 feet worth of humans just in those three. Yeah, not to mention Taylor Upshaw is still somewhere around just being almost 6'7". <laughs> <laughs> just around doing that somewhere, taking yeah, up a lot of space. Yeah, just doing that somewhere. Yeah, taking up a lot of space. But uh, that being said, I kind of want to look at where we're at in the 2020 class and what you think some of the remaining needs are. So I'll go down the list as far as um, the highest ranked to the lowest ranked, McGregor being number one. Then we got Andre Selden, also out of Michigan, a cornerback. Uh, four-star that they're very high on his tape I have seen and he looks good he looks like what they want in a quarterback quick twitch athlete um, Osmond Savage offensive linebacker Zach Zinter four-star offensive tackle JD Johnson pro style quarterback out of Phoenix Nikhail Hill Green a recent commit offensive linebacker or excuse me outside linebacker uh, 6'1 and 230 Nick Patterson no relation to Shea out of tight end out of Texas Cornell Wheeler, another linebacker, and Micah Mazkua, offensive tackle. And that's all we got for right now. So what do you think about this class, and what are what are your, some, of, some of your picks for remaining needs? Well, I like where they've targeted so far in certain position groups, such as linebacker and tackle. Um, this team needs linebackers, and you can never have enough tackles. I mean, just flat out. Um, they have one inside backer in Cornell Wheeler, but I think they could use a couple more there, as well as some interior linemen, some guards, some centers, <clears throat> running backs, because we know how fragile that position is. And the secondary can always use some help. Andre Seldon's a great start at corner. Maybe one more corner, maybe a safety, maybe just an athlete that could play on either side of the ball, see where he works out. But, but I think those are the glaring holes right now. I mean, there's a lot of room in the cycle to fill up, but you didn't need a lot of pass rushers. They got McGregor in there. That's a big get. Plenty of outside talent, of outside linebacker talent, where they could possibly move to the outside if you need more. One quarterback, um, and like I said, a couple tackles and a tight end. It's a very like particular class, it feels like. Every move kind of feels very intentional. There's not a lot of fat here, you know? No, I would have to agree. This seems like it's going to be a smaller class. I like what you're saying about the cornerback. Uh, that was not one that I had listed here, but with the departure of Benjamin St. Just as well as Spider Sims, I think that they should definitely target another corner in this class. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think we're good at defensive end with what we already have in the cupboard and McGregor. Uh, guard, absolutely. Actually, a, a pure center would make sense. you got to start thinking about life after Cesar Ruiz, which is crazy to think about but because he's just a kid, but... Yeah, one more year, and he's draft eligible. Um, so definitely a guard, a center, maybe somebody that could play both and make a lot of sense. The two that stand out for me, though, we need a wide receiver and we need a running back in this class. Wide receiver, we could have three guys go pro this year. I mean, theoretically. I mean, even if they get like a fourth-round grade, that didn't stop, you know, David Long. It didn't stop Zach Gentry. So someone's going to jump this year. There's no way we return all three of those wide receivers. And uh, running back, you can't have enough of these guys. You never know who you're going to hit on. We seem to have really a mixed bag with our running back recruits. So I think we need to take one every cycle and just see who we hit on. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet. And um, receiver, I, I'm, I'm sort of with you on receiver just because we still have we have younger guys like Giles Jackson, Sanger Steele, Ronnie Bell, uh, even people like the Oliver Martins of the world, but I'm with you. Might need a bigger one. I was going to say you those know? guys are like, all six foot or under. <laughs> yeah, you need you need some size out there. 
Um, so that that's one they'll probably go after, not just you know the six six tight ends. But um, yeah, those are missing. But like I said before, this class is particular, so it's interesting to see um, running back. I'm very concerned about when you have to bring back Hassan Haskins and uh, the submarine of Ben to play running back out of need. I mean, that's when it gets scary. You lose Chris Evans and a couple injuries, and it's True Wilson and some pieces. Yeah, you are counting on Zach Charbonnet as it stands right now, and he's not even good to go as of yet. We don't know that he'll be good to go for the season. Sounds like he will. But, yeah, that's not necessarily providing me a lot of sleep at night either. Um, the depth there, one injury to, like, one of your main guys, if we get Chris Evans back, um, like if Evans goes out or, say, Christian Turner goes down, like that's a scary situation there at running back for a team that, even under a new offensive coordinator, is going to want to run the ball. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm with you. Also, a receiver, uh, Cornelius Johnson, it's 6'2", but Giles Jackson listed at only 5'8". Yeah. Hey. Yeah, Yikes. yeah, five eight, and, and one of the guys that they're targeting uh, pretty heavily. I've seen some crystal ball predictions for Michigan, some other ones to maybe Ohio State. He's only five ten, so the one wide receiver that I'm seeing us really in on is only five ten. So yeah, you're going to lose a lot of size in DPJ, Tariq Black, and Nico Collins. Now hopefully we bring back one of those guys, and I think we will. I think we'll bring back one, maybe Nico or Tariq. Um, but Tariq's the one that they're projecting as a potential first rounder. So. That being said, definitely positions to keep an eye on. I like what you're saying about guard. And uh, and on defense, yeah, I mean, I like that they're going for linebackers. No real Devin Bush-like character to get excited about at that position. But the one guy's name is Osman Savage, so we do have that. Yeah, we have a Savage and a McGregor coming into this team. Like, I mean, how much more can you ask for in 2019 for yeah. name value? Yeah, so we're good. We're <laughs> you and I are set yeah, here. We're, we're fine. <laughs> the Close down the class. We're okay. <laughs> Close it up. We'll take nine. <laughs> you ever take nine? Are right, you guys playing without twenty? We'll take nine in this round. All right. This guy's last name Savage. We're set. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, any final uh, thoughts on the twenty twenty recruiting needs? Um, nothing more on the needs. Uh, just keep an eye on though, because as we touched on last year, um, early season success can really swing things. A big home game with a, like, a loaded recruiting trip with four or five recruits on there can always swing the ball around. So you know, Michigan has the big weekends and the big wins and the good home crowds. That goes a long way for these kids. So uh, I, I think the class will still finish inside the top ten. Yeah, that's all you need. Finish top ten this year, and next year they're off to a really good start on next year's class already with that ridiculous gunslinger who's 13 right now that we've both salivated over. J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy, my goodness. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we're off to a good start next year, and next year's class will probably be a little bigger, probably around the 20-person class, and, yeah, you'll you'll really swing for the fences next year. But I like what they do. They do, like, kind of the big recruiting class, and then, like you said, the very selective, no-fat kind of class to fill in some needs. And, and for the most part, it's worked well. Segway. But at other times, it seems like we're not really getting a great return on investment, which brings me to my next topic of discussion. I want to talk to you about Jim Harbaugh's contract. Uh, there's been a couple articles comparing Jim Harbaugh's salary and some of the other guys that are making that. Um, just at the time, it was uh, only Urban Meyer and, um, excuse me, Nick Saban making more than him. And uh, you'll notice a, a similarity that those two guys have that Jim Harbaugh is lacking. Um, and then behind that, it's Jimbo Fisher, who's making the exact same as, as, as Jim Harbaugh right now. So I kind of want to talk to you about with Jim Harbaugh's contract being up in 2021, this is certainly a measuring year, as all are. 
what are some of your expectations as far as return on investment compared to some of those other coaches that are in that same pay scale? Oh, what yeah, come excellent. On. Yeah, what a delivered question. That was excellent job by you, sir. Thank you. Um, I mean, the common denominator of the three coaches you listed alongside Harbaugh are championships. They've each – Myers won two, three, three, two? Well, he's got – Two at Florida and one at Ohio State? Yep, one at Ohio State. So he's won three. Um, Jimbo has one when he got with Jameis. Yep. And, I mean, he's apparently turning Texas a and around. Nick Saban has enough for his fingers and toes. <laughs> and uh, Harbaugh has not had that kind of success at the collegiate level. I mean, he has been to a Super Bowl, but that's – I mean – it's not irrelevant, but it doesn't matter as much now. It's like, can you have that kind of success at this level? I mean, the level we're at. So that's something to be said. Um, the program in and of itself is clean. I believe the graduation rate is really high, especially for Power 5 schools. It is. So um, those are good things. It's not, you know, a school under constant investigation, sort of like ones in Lansing. Um, but no, um, the expectation has to be, uh, especially before the contract is renewed, because I'm almost assured it will be, just knowing how much support he has within the alumni and everything else. Feel me mad on Twitter all you want. Um, you have to beat Ohio State, and you got to win the Big Ten. Yep. And I think that's – that. you don't have to win national title. Like, you don't need to set that as like, oh, that's it. It has to be the only goal. No, it's just beat Ohio State. Let's start with that, and then we can talk about winning the Big Ten. But I think uh, this is the best year for both of them uh, looking ahead. Yes, um, I agree with everything that you said. Now, let's kind of talk about this as if we were the athletic department, though, or the athletic director here. So uh, his 2017 guaranteed pay was $7 million. That's about what his base salary ends up being. But his actual base salary is only half a million. And then it's all kind of worked out in incentives and this weird deal where he's like actually the university owns part of his life insurance for $2 million a year. So secretly the university might be wishing for him to die. <laughs> but it's up, like I said, it's up at the end of the 2021 season. Now, if you were an athletic director, I mean, there's no way they're going to do this, but would you consider looking at those standards that have been set by some of those other coaches and restructure this deal, maybe make it more incentive heavy? As of right now, here are some of the incentives. He gets a half million dollar national title bonus. A college football playoff semifinal appearance is $300,000. Conference title bonus is $125,000. For appearing, $125,000 for winning. $50,000 for coach of the year or conference coach of the year. $75,000 for national coach of the year. And to speak to your point earlier, who does get academic bonuses um, if they have an APR of 960 or above. I don't know what that means. He also gets two cars randomly. <laughs> well good for his car collection yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah so would, would that be something that you would want to restructure and make it more incentive based if you were an athletic director um possibly just may, maybe because i'm more of a frugal person but i i just saw today michigan was one of four or five teams that uh had a team in a bowl game men and women's college basketball and baseball and softball tournaments like this athletic department is thriving at a high, high level. So I really don't know if there's like a big bump in the road for money. Um, maybe restructure it. You only have them, like I said, under the books for a couple more seasons. So it's not like you're really breaking yourself. And is there a buyout in there if he left? 
yes, a portion of his $2 million signing bonus is he if he leaves before the end of his fourth season, so he's already passed his buyout. Okay, that's... No, I... You could restructure it, I guess. I mean, it would look good to the National Live because he's getting paid as some of these other coaches, but I really don't think it's necessary. Maybe up the incentive for winning the Big Ten and uh, do something like that and lower it in other places, like Coach of the Year or something like that. just seems kind of frivolous. So um, up it for that. I mean, the base hour, like, it doesn't really jump off the page as much to me as it does others. It just really doesn't. It's yeah. the perk of being Michigan. I'm sorry. It sounds arrogant, but it's true. It is true. And uh, <laughs> while I agree with you, this was more just food for thought. And uh, if you did try and restructure it to be like, well, we're going to pay you a little less because you haven't really done as much as those other guys, that is going to be a slap in the face like none before. Like, we're going to pay you less. But if you start winning, we got you. Yeah. Like, so it's like no they're already, he's already their guy, so just you know, just ride this out. It's yeah. okay. Show that you're behind him, which I think you should. You ride it out at this point and uh, and see what he's able to do. But if at twenty twenty after twenty twenty one he hasn't beaten Ohio State or won a Big Ten championship, I say you just cut ties. He had a good run, Jared. If he doesn't beat Ohio State or win a Big Ten championship this season, you're going to be irate in here for the next two years. Oh yeah, these podcasts will be unlistenable. <laughs> It'll just be your Twitter feed from the Ohio State Michigan game last year every day. It's, it's just going to be the sound of me slaughtering goats in a field for like 60 minutes. <laughs> like, sorry, Jared had to go to the back and scream at the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> invested all his money on goats. He's been throwing them into a volcano. I don't fucking know. Walk <laughs> throwing at the T-Rex like in Jurassic Park. <laughs> what happened to the goat? Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about our first opponent of the season, Middle Tennessee. Uh, this will be the start of a weekly breakdown of our opponents going all the way to the end of the season. That should get us about till August. Uh, we will talk that and some entertainment when we come back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we are back on Out of the Blue. We're going to begin what should be a long and prosperous breakdown of all of our opponents. I'm foreseeing a lot of victories and a lot of outlandish scores in this exercise, but we start off the season 
against Middle Tennessee. Didn't know it was a school. Had to look them up. Uh, eight and six in Conference USA last year. First in the East Conference. So that's something. Coming off kind of a resurgent year. Uh, have you had some time to kind of look at this opponent and see what we're up against? Yeah, I have. Uh, Middle Tennessee's a good program. They've had some really good seasons last season, especially. Made it to the conference championship. Had to play UAB in back-to-back weeks. Beat him the first time, lost in the championship, and then kind of got smoked in their bowl game by Appy State. And that'll happen against App State as... Uh, we know! <laughs> I was there. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it is a quality program that's definitely on the rise. Uh, looking at them this year, this is going to be a tough test for them. Obviously, coming into the big house first game of the season is going to be tough for anyone, especially if you're in the Conference USA. Uh, but they're losing their quarterback, so they'll be breaking in a new quarterback, and uh, it's, it's going to be a fresh quarterback. Looks like this kid, Asher O'Hara, uh, that sounds like an auto-generated name from NCAA Football 14. Uh, he had 9 of 20 passes for 114 yards and one interception last year. Doesn't really inspire confidence. Three-star recruit, so they'll be breaking him in. His first start's going to be at the big house. Yikes. Yeah, good luck, Asher. Um, nobody named Asher ever had any tremendous amount of success. There was that no-talent ass clown that had some song about college. But besides that, I guess that's the ceiling. I mean... Good luck with your life. Um, yeah, no, Middle Tennessee State's coming off, I mean, like I said, a great year. They lose a lot of key pieces, linebackers, offensive linemen, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. Um, they're a program that feel like they build up every two to three years as they you know, get people in, integrated into the system, into their program. And when they're all senior-laden, they make a run, you know, right around 9-3, and 10-2, and two, maybe even 11-1. and one. But um, this is the year after the good year. So... <laughs> They're going to I mean, have a chance to rebuild, and um, it's not going to start very pretty. Like This is a good program, a good you know, Conference USA group of five team, and if they score 14 points, it'll be a good afternoon. Oh, yeah. If they're somehow able to get there with a quarterback named Ashru, who is almost certainly gluten intolerant, uh, I will be very surprised if they get to 14. But uh, on defense, they were 50th in the country, kind of middle of the pack-ish, um, and they return quite a few starters on defense. But at the same time, I mean, they lose one of the best cornerbacks in the nation, uh, this kid, what was his name, Wesley Bush, six picks last year. Uh, they lose a stud linebacker. Um, and in watching the tape, I only watched the games from uh, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Kentucky, the only ones I could find. And uh, one common theme was that these dudes miss a lot of tackles. Um, and, you know, you're, now you're breaking in some new starters in the back end. Doesn't help with that when your safety is your leading tackler. That generally means you're getting to the second level with your running backs a lot. And that is their returning leading tackler as a safety. Um, so I see a lot of missed tackles. And I see this being a, uh, a game where we take advantage of the running backs early on. Uh, Shea Patterson, I see him getting outside. Um, I mean, this is a pretty good early matchup for us. They they don't really have the firepower to hang, especially not in Ann Arbor. This feels a lot better than opening up last season on the road at Notre Dame right? at night. <laughs> um, interesting to point, though, about your safety leading your team in tackles. Tyree Kittle led Michigan last year in total tackles. That is surprising. I would have definitely thought it was Devin Bush or Khalid Hudson. Yeah, uh, 72 to 66, Bush was second. Kalik Hudson was sixth because he missed so much time. Yeah, that's true. He did miss a lot of time. Well, there I feel like a jackass just over here talking <laughs> shit about Middle Tennessee. 
Hey, hey, in all fairness, though, a lot of teams reached the second level against Michigan later in the season. They sure did, yeah. Most of those tackles came towards the end of the season. I absolutely believe it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, watching some tape against them in their games against Power 5 opponents last year. Uh, let's see what, they're, what they did. Um, yeah, they got, they got pretty well waxed by Georgia and Vanderbilt. Uh, and then held pretty strong against what I believe, and you, I think you kind of agreed with me, an overrated Kentucky team. Um, they were able to give them some problems. Um, so they, they've, they've seen some good competition. Georgia's a better football program than we are right now, but granted, Georgia just wiped the floor with them 42-7. to Yeah, like, like, a, like I said, this is a good group of five team towards the top tier. But once you get into power five teams against like the Georgias of the world, they're just not the same. There, there were levels to this, and they weren't up there. They were a good team last season, and that was it. They were a, a fine, fine team. They're they're not they're going to lose by thirty five at least to Michigan. Like it's just we don't even know how good this Michigan team is. I'm just confident in saying that we can start Cam McGrone at quarterback, and I still think we at least hang forty on them. <laughs> Cam McGrone at quarterback, you say? Well, I had Donovan Jeter penciled in, but I suppose we could make that change. Yeah, we're we're not running like not just the wildcat. We're running like the wildcat. Like <laughs> you've seen the wildcat. Well, this shit is crazy. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, uh, if we are going to get some other quarterbacks in, Joe Milton, namely, this would probably be the game to do it. Yeah, this would be the one. And with the red shirt rule, you can even see people like um, Cade McNamara. Yeah. Make an appearance in this game. This is a great experience for him. Yeah, I mean, I'd be very surprised if we get down to him because we got to somehow find time for Shea, Run DMC, and Milton already this year. we got enough problems as it is without trying to get McNamara snaps. Oh, if we need to get him reps, we can just let him run a series at the end. He'd be okay. <laughs> let him come in there, air the ball out to uh, all 5 eight of Giles Jackson and uh, Luke Schoonmaker and uh, McFlurry. I'm fine with that. I like it. What a dangerous set. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, uh, let's get your predictions. I want your score and your early players of the game. We'll do it again the week before, and we'll pick. Uh, you know, we'll update. We'll look back on who we called. You know, in the middle of May uh, versus who we're feeling on on the eve of the game. So let's get your predictions and your players of the game. Um, middle Tennessee loses forty-five to three. Ooh, hold them to three. I would really enjoy that. I like that. What's what's the game breakdown here? Who are your players? Um, I'm going to go with a, uh, a big game from Christian Turner. I think Christian Turner goes over 100 yards for the first time in his career, uh, adds a pair of touchdowns. I think Shea has a fine game. but We see, we see the new offense a little bit, but I think we're going to be so successful just moving the ball and moving them off the line of scrimmage that holes are just going to be gaping, especially if we space them out in Josh Gaddis' offense where there's a lot of one-on-one or double-team blocks to really spring a running back. So I'm going to go Christian Turner, player of the game on offense, pair of touchdowns over 100. And on defense, I'm going to go with Kalee Hudson. This feels like a game where Kalee Hudson can just wreak all kinds of havoc. Yeah, I like it. He's my pick of the game for Army already. I'm just, I'm, I feel it in my bones that Hudson's going for five tackles for loss against Army. So I'm going to hold off on that, but I love the pick. Uh, I think you're pretty close on the score. Uh, I'm going to go 51-7. to seven. Uh, I think that early on they're going to really want to air it out. They're going to really try and run it down their throat, and they're not going to back off, especially since with this new offensive system, they want to get people comfortable in this scheme. 
Um, and from what I've seen, these dudes have an issue tackling bigger, faster, stronger athletes. So I think you're absolutely right. I think the running backs are going to have a big day. Um, and I, Christian Turner, I mean, I, I really like that pick as well. Uh, but for the sake of variety, I'm going to mix it up. And I'm going to go Tariq Black. Your boy. My boy. Going to have a bounce back year. He's looking jacked in all the videos Shea Patterson's putting up on Instagram. He's looking good. Quick in and out of his breaks. I mean, this could be his year. We've just been waiting patiently for that kid. I want it for him, maybe more than anyone else in the team. Uh, and on defense, I think we're going to get a pick in this game, maybe two picks. This new Asher quarterback ugh, is going to be <laughs> going to be under duress all day. He's definitely throwing a pick. I got my boy Lavert Hill. I'm going to take Lavert Hill, blanketing receivers all day and forcing a pick. Where where do we stand right now on Lavert Hill? Because before we're like, seems like the second coming of Jordan Lewis. Like even had the towel hanging out, was covering guys. Seems like a, a, a more aggressive tackler. Uh, where are we saying right now, though, after what we saw last season and like everything we know about his injury history? Uh, I'm still very high on LaVert Hill. Um, he absolutely has all the talent in the world, and we've seen it in flashes. I can't really speak to what happened to the defense down the stretch last year, but I'm not going to sit here and say it was LaVert Hill's you know, shortcomings that caused all of that. Uh, he definitely got beat against Ohio State. Name me a person on that defense that didn't. Got beat against Florida. Nobody really wanted to be there. I can easily write those two off as just being bad situations. Uh, I, I'm incredibly high in him. I think that he's without a doubt our best corner. Um, I don't feel as good as like Jordan Lewis coming back for his senior season good. No. It's, it's nowhere like that when I was like, oh, we've got a shutdown corner. No one's thrown to that side of the field. But he could become that this year. He still has to take another step, whereas Jordan Lewis made that step as a sophomore. Yeah, I, I feel... I feel down, but I just feel the same as I did last year. Like, I feel like he's good, but I don't feel like he's great yet. Like, I feel like he can pretty much, you know, take away good receivers. I think he has trouble. Um, I, I don't think he's as fast as we think. I think he's fast, but I don't think he's like – he doesn't have that Jordan Lowe speed outside no, where he can run, so. you know, like a 4-4. Um, but, no, so I'm still, like, high on him like you said. But I it feel since I'm the same as I was last year, I feel down. Yeah, I can understand that, and I know what you're saying. I'm a cornerback guy, so I watch that position group probably closer than any other position group, that and linebackers, uh, my favorite positions to watch. So, I mean, he's a guy that I've watched a ton of tape on, and I'm still really high on. You're absolutely right in that he's not as quick as, as Jordan Lewis, but technically, like, he could be just as good. I mean, he's picked up a lot of that. He's very physical at the line of scrimmage. He stays in your hip pocket. He's physical with his hands. Um, needs to get his head around more. Um, I mean, it's something we preached last year towards the end of the season is that we could see that they neither of them were getting their head around either him nor Long like Jordan Lewis used to do. And I mean, I, even Channing Stribling was able to get his head around a decent amount in coverage. Now, don't talk to him about tackling anyone, but he well, could Channing get... Stribling was a blanket in coverage. He really you know? was. Let's yeah. give him that. He was so good in coverage. Yeah, I mean, he was always there. Tackling, I mean, he was a tackling atheist, like just did not believe in it whatsoever. No. But... The man was great in coverage. That's why he started. Yeah, well, that's why I didn't get super hyped about Greedy Williams because, like, well, Channing Stribling was excellent in coverage, like, but yeah. he doesn't want to tackle. So, like, obviously, you know, Greedy Williams is more athletic than Channing Stribling, and we're getting way off topic here, but <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> like out of the We always blue. find a way to tie it back to the 2016 team. Uh, yeah, I got nothing, but you're <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, Lavert Hill, it'll be very interesting. I mean, Ambry Thomas could have a big game against Middle Tennessee, too. Um, that's another guy, though. Both of them need to take a step, and now that we're saying that out loud, that also concerns me. 
Whereas like you're coming in 2016 senior Jordan Lewis, zero concerns at the cornerback position, none whatsoever. You were, I mean, we were good. And then it was Stribling opposite him on the 2016 team, right? Uh, yep. Um, who was our nickel corner? Was Delano Hill the nickel? Delano Hill was safety. Safety. The third, Brandon Watson was there. Brandon Watson was there. I don't know if he was playing on that 2016 team. Yeah, I, I can't think of who the third corner was on that team. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at it. But uh, a question for you: Is Ambry Thomas overrated? By you and I, yes. <laughs> Overall, I don't know that anyone talks him up as much as we do. Definitely hear him get mentioned by some of the other sports writers and on Twitter and stuff as a guy to watch out for. Because I mean, we've seen him in practice, we've seen him at spring games, and he's just the fastest guy on the team. Uh, probably not so when Dax Hill gets here and Mike Sainer still looks like he'd give him a run for his money. Uh, but the dude flashes like he flashes in game when we've seen him catch it, uh, when he's seen him return it, um, he, he flashes as a cornerback just because of his speed. But yeah, as of right now, I'd have to say we've overrated him. What do you think? I definitely think so. Um, I saw a stat that was kind of damning. Um, nothing to write, really write home about, but it's really glaring. Um, Jacob McCurry had more tackles last year than he did. Well, that's concerning, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. I mean, it's only by one, but it's like, really? You played kind of significant amount of snaps on defense last year, and a wide receiver, uh, a guy who played special teams, had more tackles? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jake McFlurry works at Wells Fargo. Yeah, he did. I, 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 he did. <laughs> he did. I with, with such certainty. But, yeah, he had – He opened uh, up my savings account. Great guy. Yeah, really nice kid, you know. Didn't like the nickname. Um <laughs> But no, yeah, he had more tackles in him last year, so that's it. Kind of stood out to me, but I still hold to the fact that Avery Thomas is the fastest person on this football team. Yeah, you know what? The more we get in depth with this roster throughout this offseason, I guarantee by the end we're not going to be as high on our defense. <laughs> it just no, we're going to go way. through people and be like, we think about this guy, huh? And then like pull out two stats and be like. Well, shit, I guess I hate him now. That's, yeah. what, that's <laughs> where I am. Oh, I guess I hate Ambry Thomas now for no reason. I went to bed last night and I loved him. Yeah, I liked him a lot. You know who else? Like Josh Metellus. That's who checks out all the time to start ripping through everybody on the defense. I mean, if you wanted to find a hole, everyone on the defense this year, you, you could find a hole almost everywhere. Um, I mean, take, pick a position and there's definitely some holes or some unknowns. Like defensive tackle looks really good. Dwumfor's injured, haven't seen Jeter. Carlo Kemp's your sure thing on the D-line. Like, we haven't really seen much outside of, like, two plays from Aiden Hutchinson. Julius Welshoff looks like he was carved out of a piece of, of Mother Germany, the place where a <laughs> panzer had its last stand. But just because he looks like he's carved from granite doesn't mean he's worth a damn. Like, Yeah, he could be another German softy, you know, fifth stereotype. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like we just re re I go through this whole roster. Drink black, can't say healthy. Don people's gents, never healthy. Nico Collins, sure you're big, but what else can you do? Man, I, <laughs> I can't I, even say that one. I can't even say that one. Sorry, I, Nico. I dispute, I dispute the Donovan Peoples-Jones ones. He had like three hits last year, helmet to helmet, where like everyone was like, well, oh, he's yeah. dead. He's dead. And then he came back and played in all three of those games. That is a oh, tough yeah, I'm, I'm just being a facetious asshole. Sure, like, sure, I sure. totally could mean those. As you're wont to do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it happens to the best of us. It, does. <laughs> it absolutely does. All right, so those are our predictions for Middle Tennessee State. Uh, any final thoughts on this opponent? Um, they're a good team. Michigan's going to bulldoze them. It's, a, uh, it's an appropriate tune-up game. This isn't like a – I mean, they're not the bottom of the barrel. They're not the worst team in football. But it's a good enough team where you got to at least show up. 
if Ford Manual ever schedules another first game home and home where they're allowed to play at night, I'm going to lose my shit. Like, looking back on it now, with this, like, this is a first opponent. That stuff last year was pure nonsense. You should never open the season like that. No one else no. does. No, nobody opens. I mean, in the case there's, like, a game where, like, Alabama schedules uh, some team that's, like, a couple years past their prime, and they'll play, like, Oregon and Atlanta or something. Yeah. And they call it a road game. Right, in Atlanta, yeah, exactly. It'll still be at, like, a neutral-ish site. Like, if they wanted to play Notre Dame in, like, Indianapolis – and just do it, like, one year, like, I'd have been all for that. But the home-and-home, and, home and you let them go at night early in the season, like, you set yourself up for failure with that. Middle Tennessee, this is what you need. Get your feet under you, feel confident. You need a lot of players to, to take steps, especially on the defensive side of the ball. This will be a great tune-up game. Yep. Couldn't agree more, brother. Absolutely. All right, that being said, let me look at our time here. Oh, yeah, let's push through it. As we are wont to do, we like to end with a little entertainment segment. We are sports and entertainment, an emphasis on neither, but an emphasis on both. And uh, this week for our entertainment section, we're talking about remakes and reboots that work and some that don't. This with the success of Aladdin and the coming of the, the Lion King and just, well, pretty much there's no original ideas in Hollywood now. So we're at least going to look back and uh, pick some of our fondest memories and ones that, well, are best avoided. Yeah, um, it's a very, very tricky topic because a lot of them are, I mean, there's some good ones. And there are just some really steaming piles of shit. Sure. And we got to cipher through this. I mean, who better than us, you know? Yeah, if not us, then whom? Yeah, what else are we going to talk about in May? I mean, we can talk about football and go through and talk about what we hate and love about the roster, but we have the rest of the summer to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't need to start stewing on that in late May. Give me until, like, August, and then I'll start, you know, losing sleep at night. How are Donovan Jeter's knees doing? Just be like, <laughs> well, Devin Gill has fine eyebrows, but can he hold up in man coverage? <laughs> exactly, yeah. That, that's a July pod. <laughs> exactly. All right, you want to get us started, man? Give me uh, maybe a reboot or a remake that works or one that doesn't. I don't care how you start it. Let's do the damn thing. I'll give you one that works, and it's kind of like a reboot, kind of like a remake uh, based off the TV show, going comedy, going 21 Jump Street. Uh, rebooted the old show, brought it up to date. Jonah Hill co-wrote it. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, some two of the smartest guys in Hollywood behind the camera. Um, movie's just a delight. Super funny. I mean, every scene is hysterical. He and Channing Tatum have incredible chemistry. Was the debut of Skinny Jonah Hill, and I was there for it. It was awesome. 21 Jump Street is really, really a funny movie. It holds up, too. I've watched it two or three times, and I still laugh my ass off every time. The sequel is even pretty funny. Yep. Yeah. The sequel definitely holds up. The whole Ice Cube scene, yeah, yeah, I'm there. And honestly, I would say that's probably an improvement. Yeah. Like, Absolutely, yeah. The original the show? show wasn't that good. It was okay, and even Johnny Depp made the cameo. So that was that was fantastic. Yeah, I like it. Great pick. All right, I got one that works for you. This is a reboot, and they took it in a totally different direction, and I was absolutely there for it uh, because Kong Skull Island, it really works for me uh, yes. on a number of levels. It's completely over the top and absurd, it, but it knows it's over the top and absurd. And I enjoy the you know the original King Kong and then the, the remake with Jack Black. That was fine. Like, I have no problem with that, but it was very by the book, stuck to the original story. This one just, it was like if it took a bunch of mushrooms and, and, and you know, pounded a four loco beforehand. Like, that's Kong Skull Island, and I'm here for it. Yeah, it's one of the few movies where, like, the two leads and Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston can just completely float it in. And it takes nothing away from the movie at all. It's still a great and enjoyable ride. Fantastic CGI. 
Um, a really good heat check performance from Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. who is just I mean, just kind of despicable. And uh, Jack Black. Not Jack no, Black. John, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. excuse me, yeah. John C. Riley, one of, of the myself. best character actors to date. I mean, just throwing heat in it, really humanizes the movie and adds some comedy to it. No, great choice. Absolutely. All right, you got one that doesn't? Oh, boy, do I. Um, so as you might remember... For whatever reason, in 2015, they approached Edgar Ramirez and thought, you know, you like extreme sports. You know, we can shoot some cool shit with that. Let's remake Point Break. Let's <laughs> let's remake Catherine Bigelow's Point Break classic. Let's classic. do that. No. Terrible idea. The movie was a train wreck. It was such a ripoff, it hurt. Like, it tried to be self-aware, but in an arrogant way. Like, out openly, like, winking at the camera, but thinking it was, you know, doing it, you know, smart and savvy no it sucked the movie was awful edgar ramirez has starred in a lot of shit and that is one of the worst ones it is pure trash i watched it i'm actually happy you brought it up because i watched it two weeks ago i was hung over i was sick i was hating my life and i want shitty movies that did not disappoint as far as shitty movies go but it's not like a good shitty like the original point break is no one's gonna sit there and say it's you know citizen kane but yeah. it, it's pretty bad honestly but god is it enjoyable like that just level of fun in it. There's none of that. There's absolutely none of that in the remake. Um, I can't even really think of a saving grace other than when he killed his girlfriend because I hated her. Yeah, I mean, that might have been it, but like you didn't have the Swayze charm, which, no. I mean, that's the whole movie's, I mean, dependent on that. You're propped up by his charm. Yeah. And, no, it just doesn't work in um, the remake because you just hate the guy. Like, wow, you're an asshole. Yeah. Like, even in the trailer, he says, we're not releasing the money. I'm liberating it. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Okay? That's so dumb. That's dumb. Take the money. Take some money, for God's sake. Like, some. Just ridiculous. Like, pretentious. Go- stupid. I hated this movie. Yeah, it was really bad. Now you got me all worked up. I've got one that doesn't work for you that had me just as worked up in the history of movies that we didn't need a remake of red dawn is pretty goddamn high on the list uh we certainly did not need another remake of a swayze classic charlie sheen peak red i mean just peak of their careers you want to talk about an absolute gut check movie red dawn i mean it'll make you cry it'll make you angry about like the enemies at the time were the russians but like i still get pissed off about it and like, I mean, I'm mad just talking about it. I can't even finish my sentence. But the remake, I didn't even get through it. Like, it was unnecessary. They swapped out the villains for the North Koreans. Okay, congratulations, you updated it. But, like, what a ludicrous plot line that you've come up with. And then just no heart. no I mean, no feeling to it. And, I mean, it's the Wolverines. That is the name of their band, their resistance band, is the Wolverines. So if you're a Michigan fan and not a Red Dawn fan, you need to rethink your priorities. But the first Red Dawn <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, I've never seen this remake. It's got my girl Adrienne Palicki from Friday Night Lights fame, the, oh, the yeah. show. She's a babe. But, She's uh, hometown. Hutcherson, Peck, like, this This isn't the cast to do it. Like, it. I mean, Chris Hemsworth is, is charming, but he hadn't hit that Taika Waititi-induced charming stage yet. Correct. So you kind of got him doing his, you know, kind of macho, over-the-top, I'm leading this. And then Pat Cutcherson, no. Miscast. Yeah. Don't redo this. Just stay away from Swayze IP. How hard is this? I mean, obviously, if take away one thing, it's that you can't remake Swayze. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Hemsworth has the charm to be a Swayze-esque role, but he didn't get it in the, like, maybe it was just the writing or 
he didn't get to like kind of be loose and free with it like he is with Thor. But uh, one thing I've noticed about our movies that do work, they're kind of like lightning in a bottle movies, like especially yours, Point Break, like the casting made it. Like it's very tough to recreate something when the casting, like you couldn't go remake Tremors because like how yeah. are you ever, how, how are you ever going to get a cast like that together? Yeah, and also you have Catherine Bigelow taking this movie before she explodes in Hollywood. Exactly. Like this is like a big role for her. like when you can get those you know soon to be auteurs, you don't just get some nickel and dime guy that shot a Chevy commercial. <laughs> all right, I got we got right, I got to go to a good one. I got to cleanse my palate here. Same. Um, all right, next one for me that really worked. Uh, surprisingly, I haven't rewatched it in a long time, but the movie itself is rewatchable, and uh, it's, it feels lighthearted at first, but then all of a sudden you're sitting around a campfire and Russell Crowe's just stabbing somebody in the neck. Um, 310 to Yuma. Russell Crowe, Christian Bale. God, this movie is enjoyable. Stole it off my list, you son of a bitch. You're welcome, sir. You go ahead. Take the reins. Uh, it's a phenomenal movie, absolutely. And uh, I have not seen the original. It's an older Western movie, so I didn't even know it was a remake until afterwards. And I went back and watched a couple scenes just to try and get a feel for it because I had it on my list. And uh, it works. It absolutely works. Christian Bale and Russell Crowe have some of the better chemistry. And they're both assholes in real life, so I have no idea how that worked. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, props to uh, James Mangold for really bringing all this in. So yeah, Ben, ben Foster, morning Pinkerton. <laughs> Peter Fonda. I mean, Al, uh, I always mess up Alan Tudyk's last name. I think it's Tudyk. Oh, Tudyk. Yeah, Alan Tudyk. Steve, Steve the Pirate. He's fucking excellent. Yeah, Firefly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, just an absolute. I mean, deep cast, but. Russell Crowe is the one that really takes this movie to the next level. He really does. That character, what is the name of that character? I know the name of his guns are the ben hands Wade. of God. Yes, there it is. Ben Wade. Yes, this is an like, often overlooked Western for how good it is. It's one of the better Westerns of the last decade. I could say that pretty much, pretty, pretty confidently. So, great choice. Uh, another one that works for me. This one almost feels like a cop-out, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. This is a reboot, and I think the most successful reboot to date, the Dark Knight franchise, is... I mean, when I, when we were thinking about reboots, I was like, well, that's got to be the quintessential one, so I wanted to at least touch on it. We don't have to go into, into detail about it, because everyone's seen it. We all know how amazing it is. I mean, you've got Academy Awards for a superhero movie that's almost unheard of. Um, but if you want to reboot... Just look at what the Nolans did. They completely took it and, and said, to hell with everything else that's been done. We're going to do it the way we want. Went back to the source material, interpreted on their own. And what they came out with is just a modern anthology. Yeah, um, speaking of the Nolans, um, you know it doesn't get enough love? Uh, Dunkirk. Go see it again, everybody, please. It's, it's getting better. I've, I've rewatched it now five times. It gets better upon every rewatch. It's almost a perfect war film. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Oh, it gets better with with every rewatch. It's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else on the Dark Knight franchise? I think it's already all been discussed. No, it's fantastic. And Batman Begins is the sneaky one of that group. That movie is. is really good. It is. Like that's one. That's why I was so excited about Dark Knight is because at the time Batman Begins was like my favorite movie ever. I was like, well, why isn't everyone doing this with superhero movies? Like this is so much more interesting. Yep. Yeah. Well. To your point of reboots and kind of like remakes, especially of like a franchise like that, I'll give you a couple. I wanted to avoid James Bonds because it's too easy to pick a good one and a bad one. Sure, but if it's a um, different enough feel, like I, I can get on board with that. There's feels. We can go there, but I wanted to spend this time talking about a good and a bad. Um, Planet of the Apes and um, some more Planet of the Apes. Planet <laughs> of the Apes with Mark Wahlberg is awful. Just 
trash. I think was that Tim Burton that did that one? Sure was. I don't know why that was the guy for uh, Planet of the Apes yeah. remake. They had the monkey or the ape dressed up as Abe Lincoln at the end of it. Sure like, did. Oh man, that was bad. But then you go into uh, Rise, Dawn, and what was the last one? Battle. Uh, War for Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes. All three. Like just yeah. Dawn's probably the best. But uh, is that the one with Franco? That's the first one. That's Rise. Dawn's the next. Dawn, sec- is, the, the, Dawn the is the best one with Jason Clark. Yeah, Jason Clark's in that one. Yeah, that one's incredible. That is but an all, excellent movie. But all three of those. What a great rebooted trilogy. Kind of out of left field. Like, because uh, I feel like once Rise came out, nobody was really asking for it. But then you saw it, like, this is pretty good. And then you see Dawn, they're like, all right, this is the not fucking around crew. And then you're then you're invested into war, and then that's it. You're good. Yeah, and war is pretty good as well. Uh, our boy Woody Harrelson, pretty evil in that. But you know that one centers more on the apes. But bold to do it after the failure of the Wahlberg one too. To be like, well, we didn't quite get that right, and uh, that kind of brings me to one another one I wanted to touch on that failed twice before getting it right, and that's Hulk. Uh, the Hulk, if you'll remember, was actually one of the first ones that they tried to do a movie for. Uh, Eric Bana back in his prime run of Munich and I mean Bana had a run there and that was an Ang Lee movie too it was an Ang Lee movie I mean and it's not well it's not a great movie the one with Eric Bana it's not but the then they redid it again rebooted it again and almost neither one is canon for the rest of the Marvel series uh, they rebooted it again with Ed Norton which I thought was an interesting choice he can do anything Ed Norton is a freaking G um, but just seemed like an odd choice Liv Tyler it seemed just a little miscast a little darker than you want a a hulk to be but props to them they stuck with it not that i'm saying mark ruffalo's any better of an actor than either of those two guys i might actually take both ed norton and eric banna over mark ruffalo uh but the fact of the matter is they got it right yeah good call (coughs) so is that just you saying uh the incredible hulk's the movie or the banna or the um, um, Mark Ruffalo banner is your choice. Uh, it's kind of like how you were talking about how uh, the Planet of the Apes got it wrong, came back, tried it again. Like so, it's a wrong and a right. It works. It didn't work, and then it worked. Okay, okay, I'm fair with that. I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. Let me give you a movie that uh, toes both lines. It's good and it's bad. Um, the Wicker Man, starring Nick Cage, That's baby. A remake. That's a remake. The original really good and disturbing, actually. If you've never seen I it. I not. It stars, if I'm not, it stars, you have Christopher Lee's in it. So I'm probably Sir Christopher Lee, I think. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, it's just very disturbing about the cult. Really gets like the claustrophobic feeling and just like hopelessness of it. Nails it. Um, and then you get Nick Cage, who just takes it to another level and really ups the ante with the bees and it is so fantastically awful like this is an example of a bad movie that works and i love it so much i hated that movie the the remake that is until the very end when nick cage dressed as a bear punches an elderly woman in the face and then proceeds to be grabbed by the elderly women and has a bee mask placed on his face and after that i was like well this is the greatest fucking movie of all time yeah, Nick Cage in a bear suit. Say no more, Punching fan. Take my money. <laughs> Take my money. Yeah, that was all I needed. So there, there's the choice right there on both sides of the line. Here's a remake that didn't need to happen. They remade Ben Hur, one of the the most classic movies, classic performances of all time. And my boy Toby Kebbell, who is so just horrendously miscast and mistreated by Hollywood, 
got thrown into that piece of garbage. I got 10 minutes in, and all I could find myself asking is why. Why did we need this remake? Like, do we need a Lawrence of Arabia remake? No. Like, especially not if we're going to star, like, the guy who played Joey Tribbiani in the role <laughs> of Lawrence Olivier. Like, <laughs> Dude, I... I totally forgot that happened. I feel like I just blocked that out from all conscious. Should. Um, wh- yeah. Why? Why would Why? you attempt to remake like one of the greatest epics ever put on screen with Charlton Heston? I mean, it's a three and a half hour just like masterpiece of cinema at the time. Like, just stay away from. Yeah, it. What's gonna, next? The Godfather? Yeah, you should have stepped gonna, into that. And you're gonna do it haphazardly? Just like, yeah, we'll throw twenty five million at it. See if we can. We'll give it a shot. Christ Almighty! Like, like, just when I think like the world can't any, get any worse, I remember the Ben Hur remake happened. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, God, damn. all right. I'll give you one that happened. They actually spawned a franchise, and it was great. And it's all because of like we touched on the lightning in the bottle. It's that perfect casting. It's the director at the right time. And that's Ocean's Eleven. I mean, you're remaking a just classic. I mean, when you're coming after Frank Sinatra and the swag department, you will be found wanting. But the chemistry of this cast and everything they do just delivers. I mean, you're competing with the Rat Pack, and they somehow improved upon it for me. I mean, that is just, I mean, saying in the, like saying what it is, I and mean, that is just amazing. Brad Pitt's at his best. George Clooney's at his best. Don Cheadle's accent is really terrible, but it doesn't take away from the movie. It just works. It really does. I mean, you want to talk about a rewatchable movie. One of the most rewatchables out there. Cast alone is going to bring me back time and time again. Peak Pitt, Clooney, and Damon. I mean, you got Bernie Mac in there. Give me a break. You got James or Scott Kahn in there. You got an Casey Affleck. Affleck. Yeah, you got an Affleck boy in there. Julia Roberts, Andy Garcia. Especially the first one. Uh, the first remake is just absolute gold, and I have not seen the original starring the Rat Pack, and that is shame on me and my family, but uh, there's no way it's better than the remake, because that movie is like a 9 out of 10. Yeah, it's not better, but it's like you'll see it, and you're like, oh, okay, these guys are just smoking cigarettes and hanging out in Vegas, and suddenly I'm going back to Vegas again. <laughs> All right, take me there, Sammy Davis. All right, saddle up. But no, it, it definitely improves upon the first one. Um, the chemistry of the cast is what does. Like, this movie could have been a colossal disaster. But um, everything's tied together so intricately and perfect. The way they execute the heist, Andy Garcia is the villain. Like, no, it's great. And it gave us the sequel, which gave us the laser dance sequence, which is one of my favorite movies in cinema. Yes. <laughs> favorite moments in cinema. The laser dance sequence. Completely over the top, and I love it. Uh, all right, I've got one, and it's a remake like yours that works. A Star is Born. Um, didn't know it was a remake. Have gone back now and watched a bunch of the Chris Christopherson original, and he's excellent in that. Uh, I'm gonna That's not to... the original either. Oh, wow. Are you serious? That's a remake of a remake. The Ju- there's a one in 1937, and then there's a Judy Garland one in 1954, and then the Streisand Christofferson in 76. All right, well, now I'm pissed. We don't need that then. All right, I love the Bradley Cooper one, but that's over the top. Somebody can write I, something new. We needed it. If we didn't have that, we'd never have Shallow, so I'm good with it. Yeah, you're right. Everything's going to be fine. Jackson, Maine. Man, that one still rings deep. But, yeah, I'll take a Star is Born for one that works. And Maybe we didn't need it. We didn't need a fifth version, but damn, did it work regardless. That might have been my favorite movie last year. Like, not the best movie last year, but that one's the one that, like, really stuck with me Still when I walked sticks. out of the theater. Still sticks. All right. I got another one for you. Um, I got a bad one. Just to feel like the balance is out of talking about A Star is Born. Um, how do you replace James Caan? Well, 
<laughs> There's one option to go. You know, you go with a young, talented actor, or you go with Chris Klein, <laughs> and you remake Rollerball. And that's exactly what happened in 2002. Chris Klein, Gene Reno, and LL Cool J put their spin on this colossal disaster of a movie. Uh, directed by Joe McTiernan, who actually directed Die Hard 1, and gave us this. This just steaming pile of cow dung. This movie is just terrible. It's set in 2005, three years in the future, but everything is like uber futuristics, like it's the goddamn Jetsons. And it's so bad. It's so bad. I didn't even know it was a remake. That makes it so much worse. First of all, Chris Klein. I've gone back and watched every movie in history. Chris Klein is the worst actor to ever be in a major movie. By far. Chris Klein is pure trash. I hope he hears this. I hope Chris Klein knows how big of a trash bin on the side of I-70 he is. Chris Klein, you and I are going to fight behind that 7-Eleven in downtown Denver. Where you live. Like, yeah, no, this this movie happened, and the first user comment review on IMDb says, wow, no really, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Uh, all right, I've got one more that absolutely does not work, and then I'll, we'll end on ones that work, you know, for a positive note. Uh, and I've got a couple here. I've got an honorable mention, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original one with, uh, with my boy Corey Feldman as one of the voices, and, uh, oh my god, I forget, Cole, uh, Something, I forget the name of the guy who plays Casey Jones, but he's excellent. Love the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Michael Bay turned it into a cartoonish nightmare. Power Rangers, another part of my childhood, absolutely ruined by modern cinema. Oh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers with Ivan Ooze, Sling It and Lane. Oh, man. I mean, early peak season Power Rangers, it was never good, but at the time it really worked well. And then the reboot, it was just too late to get a. Don't they skydive the Chili Peppers in the opening scene? I didn't get very far into it, Andy. It was bad. No, 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 not not the new one, the original, the Mighty Morphin one. I'm oh. talking the classic. Oh, I hope so. That's pretty dope if they did it. Yeah, I think they skydived to uh, the Chili Peppers. Yeah, no, that's a classic. It was the 90s. The it was a different remake, time. I'm not seeing. No, no, I'm not paying for that. No, it's garbage. So those, those, are, those are my two. But uh, the remake, that absolutely did not work for me recently. Uh, just, I watched Overboard. I'm such a fan of... On the, of Goldie Hawn and early Kurt Russell. You'll never be able to recreate that. Lightning in a bottle, perfect chemistry, great cast. They decided to remake it, and I found myself angry, like to the point where I was yelling at the TV, expletives, 10.30 at night. I have roommates. Just just, just up in arms, like, why does this exist? Why does it exist? That just brings you, like, brings you into a whole deep existential conversation of why anything exists. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, I need to go to bed. <laughs> All right, what do you got? You got one more that doesn't work, and we'll end on a positive? Yep, I got one more that doesn't work, and I'll go right into my last good one. Um, doesn't work for me. It made an ass ton of money. One of the most successful box office hits of all time. Um, the live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast. Um, I actually I, I watched this one with my wife, you know, thinking it was going to be good. Um, uh, costume design, production design was excellent. Um, CGI bothered me, but, you know, it wasn't the end of it. But the casting just sucked. Like, Emma Watson's fine, but she doesn't bring the heat. The Gaston casting was awful. Um, no, just didn't work at any level for me at all. You're going to see uh, your boy Gaston when you get into The Wire. That's McNulty from The Wire. I can handle him there as long as he's not saying. He didn't have, didn't have the bass in his <laughs> voice, you know? 
you can't talk about keeping your biceps large and just kind of looking semi-average. Like, no, it just doesn't do it. No, it didn't do it for me, and that's kind of how I feel about all these live-action remakes. Like, if you're just going to do a shot-for-shot live-action remake, why do we need it? We already have it. Yeah. Why we why we need the shot for shot remake of Psycho in like '98 with Vince Vaughn, but we got that too. Oh God, um, so many that don't work. Ones I forgot. My last time to try to block those out from your memory. Um, my last good one though, uh, very recent and a sequel to it's coming out soon, and that is the remake of It. Um, really surprised me how good that movie was and how much I enjoyed it. Um, it's beautifully shot, uh, very upsetting, disturbing. And I'm really excited for the second one. Scott Bill Hader and sign me up for anything Bill Hader's doing. Absolutely. They completely blew my mind with that because I was not expecting much from this. Uh, the original, it scared the shit out of me as a kid. But horror movies nowadays, like, it's very difficult to get them right. Like, so many horror movies miss every single year. So I have low expectations in general. But credit to them. They absolutely knocked it out of the park. They got excellent child actors. And then the cast that they have for this next one. I mean, you got Academy Award nominated people in there. You got Jessica Chastain. You got McAvoy, like Bill yeah. Hader. Like they loaded up that cast. So good on them. Like I'm pumped yeah. for that. I'm really, and we get Bill Skarsgård back, who just yeah. delivers. That's Pennywise. Ooh, does he ever? Those Skarsgård guys, man, that family can act. Yeah, um, don't never forget his older brother in Zoolander. <laughs> never. Uh, so I've got one here, and it's technically a sequel. But this feels a lot like a reboot, so I want you to give me a ruling on it. If not, I've got a backup. Mad Max Fury Road. They went about 20 years without a Mad Max. That feels like a reboot, not a sequel to me. I don't know any other franchise that goes that long and then completely changes like everything about the franchise. Like I will, I've watched the old Mad Maxes. That new one is like a different animal. Uh, if you're going to fight me on it, I gotta, you're going to fight me on it. I'll fight you on that. I mean, I mean, I Mad Max is un, un like it should not be that good. Like it shouldn't be that good. And I love the first two Mad Maxes, I but uh, George a, George Miller's a master, a just a fucking master. And uh, no, but I can't just call that one in the same category. I can't talk about that movie when I just talked about the Psycho remake. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the same category. I'm talking about is one that works. Obviously, nah, I still can't do it. Man, all right. Well, that makes things a little bit more difficult for me. My same, same director, you know, same mind, like, you know. Well, I was looking on the list of remakes, and apparently Stargate is a remake, but I can't find anything about the original. The show? No, the movie Stargate. I thought that was just a show. No, it's a movie with Kurt Russell. Oh, I, was, oh, I thought you were just talking about the show with, like, the explorers. They travel through Stargate. You're telling me, live on air, you have not seen Stargate starring Kurt Russell. Yeah, full confession, dude. Jesus H. Christ. This has been a, this night has taken a, t- a heavy toll. To I thought we were going to end on a positive note. Well, we were, but you took my, my, my remake from me. All right, so I'll <laughs> go with, if I have to go with one that, that works, let me go with Spider-Man. That's lame. Yeah. It's a good choice, though. I mean, it makes sense because uh, Tobey Maguire just really kind of didn't work that well. Andrew Garfield definitely didn't work. And um, Tom, uh, what's his best name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland's a godsend. Yeah, he absolutely is. And uh, the first two Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, despite the fact that I want to pimp slap Tobey Maguire across the room, are quite watchable. Actually, the second one's freaking great. Um, second one's really good it, it, it is really good and then they had kind of a three movie run and to no fault of andrew garfield that didn't work so they rebooted it with tom holland 
I really wanted to talk about Mad Max, but you know, Spider Man, that's my choice. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. Here's here's some you can end on. <laughs> what? Throw me, me a bone. Give me two movies that you never want to see remade, just untouchable. That that aren't the obvious. That's not The Godfather, not Citizen Kane, not Raging Bull, not Goodfellas. You know, something a little not obvious, but it's you know not. I mean, you don't want to touch. Tremors is my first choice. Uh, Tremors is an absolutely magical movie from the early '90s, starring Kevin Bacon. That. Uh, honestly transcends filmmaking. I think that Citizen Kane is a pile of dog shit compared to it. If they ever try and touch it, I'll rebel. Okay, I respect that. Another one? And a second one would be The Big Lebowski. It's a... I mean, that might fall in the category of obvious, but... I'll give it to you. It's so iconic, and, like, there's so many people attracted to it. I know there's someone out there sniffing around about a sequel or a reboot. You know there's somebody sniffing around. The Cohen brothers will go to their grave fighting anybody that ever thinks about it. Yeah. Um, excellent choice. I watched part of that this past weekend because it was on, and I'm like, I can't turn it off the first time he's meeting Philip Seymour Hoffman. I can't do this. No, and then you get to the next scene into the next, and before you know it, Donnie's dead, and the ashes are covered in, or, and uh, the dude is covered in Donnie's ashes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got two good ones for you. I know you're going to agree to both. Um, the first one. Uh, just a seminal movie growing up as a child, The Goonies. Oh, um, yeah. Never come for The Goonies. I don't need any remakes. I don't need any improvements. I don't need CGI. Leave it alone. Yeah. Stay away. Next one, The Princess Bride. Don't ever think about coming for The Princess Bride. I love it. Uh, add two more to that, The Sandlot, and When Harry Met Sally, and we'll call it a list. Yeah, where do you stand on The Sandlot uh, sequels? I just don't acknowledge them. Uh, didn't know they existed until just this moment, and that's really unfortunate. Although you told me the other day that Backdraft Two exists, so really, yeah, honestly. on Netflix this year. We gotta, we got, we love drafts. So, I mean, we gotta tune in. Yeah, you do know that I'm gonna watch it. By the way, it's got a yeah, Baldwin. I, yeah, I yeah, don't even know which fire, Yeah, it's firemen and drafts. Like, what else do we need? That is all we need, and that is all the time that we have for tonight. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, follow us on Twitter at Andy underscore Bailey one at O Blue eighty seven. Uh, let us know some of your remakes, reboots that you like. Get at us. What do you think about this recruiting class? Uh, Andy, anything else from you, my friend? Nothing at all, sir. All right. Always a pleasure, my friend. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue, reminding you that wherever you go, go blue.